Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. We have so much time and so little to see. Wait a minute. Strike that. Reverse it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Sports columnist, sports writer. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You know, when I was looking at my notes... For what I was going to talk about today, I couldn't help but think of that scene from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where he goes, we have so much time and so little to see. Strike that and reverse it. That's basically how it is today. I have a full notebook here of topics to talk about, and I think I left some stuff out. So it's going to be a jam-packed hour here on WLUW 88.7 FM. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon, taking you up to kickoff of Bears-Vikings, that game on Fox with big playoff implications. Safe to say, the winner of this game goes to the playoffs. Loser of this game doesn't go to the playoffs. Actually, that's probably the better way to put it. The winner of this game is still in the hunt. But whoever loses this game is likely out of the playoff race. But I'm glad to be with you. We're not talking all Bears today. In fact, I might just talk Bears at the very end. Because it was a very busy news week. It started with the promotion of a certain Blackhawks general manager. The Blackhawks shook up their front office. And hockey's coming back. They agreed on a deal. There's going to be hockey this year. At least they're planning on hockey this year. Let's hope everything goes accordingly and hockey goes on as they're planning. Last week, if you recall, the Illini fired Levy Smith. Within a week, they hired his replacement. Brett Billima is the new Illini football coach. I'll talk about that. Northwestern tough loss to Ohio State yesterday. They were up, they were, were they up three, or I think they were down three in the fourth quarter, and Ohio State just ran away with it. And if I'm talking about bad losses, yes, Notre Dame lost to Clemson. They got blown out by Clemson. Bad time to get blown out. I'll talk all about that. The NBA is back this week, starting the 22nd. The Bulls are back the 23rd. So it's a big week in sports with the NBA coming back. I hope you're as excited as I am, because I'm really, really excited. And speaking of basketball, Missouri Valley plays coming up, starting the 27th, full slate of games. And some potential news out of Bradley regarding a certain star player that came out last night in their game. It was a big victory over Miami, Ohio. Talk about all that. If you want to chime in on the conversation, please tweet me at Nick Schultz underscore 7. You can tweet me, slide into my DMs. Do whatever. I wish I could take calls, but I can't. So if you want to chime in, hit me up on Twitter because I'm going to be going rapid fire here. So please get my attention on Twitter. All right. We have to talk about what the Blackhawks did this week. It involves Dan Bowman getting promoted to president of hockey operations in addition to being GM. I got to give a big shout out to my guy, Ben Pope, who was on the show a while back. He was the first one with this story. And... My first reaction, now I was working out when I heard the news, and I'm, I'm starting to work out again, of course, and that happens as I'm in the middle of my workout. And I hear it, I see it on Twitter, I'm reading Ben's story, and my first thought was, why? I'm confused. Because if you've listened to the show for a while now, especially since I started back up once we did the remote broadcasts, which we're still doing now, obviously, if you've been listening, you'd know I'm a pretty outspoken critic of Stan Bowman. Not a big fan. And I don't agree with some of the moves he's made. I'm still mad about the Artemi Panarin trade, because Artemi Panarin was my favorite player. And 
Bowman traded him away, and he's doing work for Columbus now. The Brent Seabrook contract is atrocious. Some of the other contracts he's worked out are terrible. He doesn't know how to manage a salary cap. I mean, he's had some good moves. You could the Connor Murphy trade, like I it I didn't like seeing Nicholas Jomerson get traded, but Connor Murphy's been a good piece. You could say keeping Corey Crawford around was a good move. So you could maybe throw that in there, but I'm not sure if the bad outweighs the good. But it doesn't matter because he's now the president of hockey operations and GM. Danny Wirtz split the presidency, and I, for some reason, did not write down the name of the new president of business operations. Business operations, excuse me. But Stan Bowman is leading the way on the hockey ops side for the Blackhawks, and I'm not sure how that's going to work. The big question, this was one of my first questions. It's been all over social media. It's been all over the papers. How can he keep himself accountable? Because now he's his own boss as president of hockey ops. He answers to himself, essentially. How can he hold himself accountable? That's the big question with this move. And the Blackhawks seem sold on the fact that he can do it. But I don't know. I've just never been a big Stan Bowman fan, especially recently. I mean, just thinking through the moves. You heard me talk about Panera and, and Seabrook. And, again, the, the contract situation. I mean, I love... Brent Seabrook's a great player. He was a great player. He's a great guy. He doesn't have it anymore. But because of his contract situation, he can't move him. Duncan Keith was a great player. Great guy. He will be forever revered in Blackhawks history for the Stanley Cup runs. And when he lost, what was it, seven teeth in the Stanley Cup finals? I love Duncan Keith. It's time to move on. But you can't because he has a no-movement clause. If you really want to rebuild, which they're saying they're going into a rebuild, I said it at the time, you have to move on from your core guys of Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrook. But you can't because you locked yourselves in to a contract situation with no movement clauses. And I remember listening to Stan meeting the media. I can't even remember when this was now because there's been so much going on the last few months. But I remember listening to it and he's talking about you have to look at the future, you have to look at now. When I heard that, my first thought, I, was, I remember I was in the car coming back from work when I was working at the golf course. And when I'm in the car by myself listening to a press conference and I get angry, I start yelling at the radio because that's what I do. And I remember yelling, you didn't think about the future when you put these contracts together. These guys are great players, don't get me wrong. I will forever love Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, even, even going way back, Patrick Sharp, Johnny Oduya. Corey Crawford, all of those guys, they shaped my Blackhawks fandom because I started getting into the Blackhawks when they played in the Winter Classic. I think that was the, that's the first Blackhawks game I remember watching. These guys were a huge part of my hockey fandom. It does not feel good saying it's time to move on from them, but it's time. But your GM backed himself into a corner and you're stuck with these contracts where you're trying to rebuild. You have to look toward the future. Stan said it himself. I'm looking toward the future here, and I'm confused. I'm, I want to know, I want to hear a concrete reason why this was a good move. And I need someone to convince me why this was a good move, because no one has convinced me yet. Even listening to the press conferences, reading it in the paper, seeing it on social media, I am not convinced. And that's because no one's convinced me yet. If someone can make a compelling argument why Stan Bowman deserved to be promoted, to be his own boss, and run the hockey ops side by himself, tell me. I'll hear you out. I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. After So I'm working, I, I bartend, and I was talking after work. And we were talking just shop about, oh, sports radio, whatnot, and I tell him, like, like, my conversation style on the radio is, I'll hear you out. If you're wrong, I'll hear you out. I'll tell you you're wrong. It's like the old, or it's the joke from the West Wing. It's the joke that the president tells. Two politicians are having an argument. One says, you're lying. The other says, yes, I am, but hear me out. I'll hear you out if you have a reason why that, if you have a reason why this is a good move. I will gladly hear you out and 
if I don't like your reason, I'll tell you you're wrong, but I'm glad you said it. If someone can convince me of this, I will be very grateful. Because right now I'm sitting here going, really? Are you kidding me? Because I wasn't sure what Stan's situation was going to be like. I know when they went into the rebuild, they committed to him. That's great. But if this rebuild fails, it's at his feet. I like that they're modernizing the front office side with the president of Hockey Ops. If they were going to do that, they should have gone with someone from outside. Or at least go with someone outside for a GM spot. Don't put the guy you had there up a level and keep him at that spot. Because that's a double whammy there with Stan Bowman. Look at the Cubs. Theo Epstein came in. He was the first president of baseball operations for the Cubs. He brought in Jed Hoyer with him. Look what happened. Now, Theo's gone. Jed is the president of of baseball operations. The Blackhawks just did this, or the Blackhawks, the Bulls just did the same thing. They're modernizing. They already had the vice president of basketball operations and John Paxson. But below it, it was pretty standard. They had one development guy. They had very, how how do I, I don't want to say old school, but the front office wasn't modernized. Bring in Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. Now you have a whole department dedicated to player development. I like that the Hawks are taking this route. I don't like that they're trusting Stan Bowman when they're going this route. Because I don't trust Stan Bowman. Maybe there's something I just don't know. But that's my reaction to it. But again, credit to Ben Pope at the Sun-Times for getting that. And the story was good. Had good interviews. He talked to Danny Wirtz. And Danny Wirtz is now the CEO. So basically, what I'm gathering is, I don't want to compare it to a Reinsdorf situation with the Bulls, but that's kind of how I'm feeling about this, is that Rocky, Rocky Wirtz is the guy who has the final say. But it sounds like, Danny Words is kind of leading the way. Like the Bulls. Michael Reinsdorf is basically overseeing the Bulls, but Jerry has to sign off on everything. That's kind of what I'm gathering from this. And this is what I said with the Tony LaRussa hiring for the White Sox. I'm going to say it again. This better work. If it works, I'll shut up. I mean, I would gladly be wrong about this. It better work. But if it doesn't, you're going to hear about it. Let's stay on the hockey side here because hockey's coming back. A CBA agreement has been reached, finally. There was worry that there wasn't even going to be a season at all. Because negotiations broke down, so from what I'm gathering, they had an agreement in place. It's the age-old thing. They had an agreement. Players were happy, but the owners said, no, we want to. We, we need more money here. And the players were like, no, we don't want that. And then they got into tug-of-war. And CBA bargaining with Gary Bettman doesn't have a great history there, don't have a great track record, but hockey's coming back, a 56-game season. I'm glad this worked out, because like I said, with Gary Bettman, the track record isn't great. I remember I remember the lockout a few years ago, and I want to say there was a year there wasn't a season. I want to say that was hockey that had that. Not a Gary Bettman fan. Now, he's not Rob Manfred level, but that's a conversation for another time. We can get into the commissioner rankings later, but hockey's coming back. Season to start January 13th, January 3rd training camp. That's coming up quick because today is December 20th. That means Christmas is coming up this week. So first of all, I I didn't say this top of the show. Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a very happy and safe holiday season. We're almost done with this year. We have 11 days left in this year. We'll get there. But January 13th, that is less than a month away. We will have hockey. And the NBA will be going on at the same time. And the NFL playoffs will be going on at the same time. We're getting closer to normalcy. We're getting closer. But I'm glad they finally have an agreement. For the Hawks this year, I'm not optimistic. If I'm being completely honest, I'm not thinking playoffs. I still don't think Jeremy Colleton's the guy to lead you through a rebuild. I'll be, I'm, I'm again, I'll gladly be wrong, but I don't think he's the guy to get you through a rebuild. I think it will be a rough year. I basically ruling out playoffs unless they, you know, expand the playoff field again to include the Blackhawks, which is basically what happened for the bubble. I'm not thinking playoffs. They weren't going to make the playoffs this year if they didn't expand. It's going to be a rough year. But hey, 
They're modernizing the front office. They have a president of hockey operations. It's the same guy who's been running hockey operations now for the last decade. Plain and simple. Let's move on and talk NBA as I brought up that the NBA is coming back this week. Opening night for the Bulls, December 23rd at 7 p.m. versus the Atlanta Hawks. Preseason is over. And I watched I watched the first game. Like I said, I would. I'm a man of my word. I watched the first preseason game. Didn't watch much else after that. I kind of saw what happened on Twitter and was following like ESPN alerts, etc., etc. But opening night's coming up. I'm hearing a lot of scuttle about Kobe White for most improved player. And I went and looked. This was, when did I do this? Probably a week ago. I looked at the futures bets on FanDuel. And Kobe White was 24-1 to to a most improved player. I looked five minutes before coming on the air today. He is now 16-1 to to a most improved player this year. I think he's going to take a huge leap forward. He looked good in preseason. I still don't think he's a true point guard. But he's going to be making a run at that most improved player for sure. Also, Zach Levine is good at basketball. That's just all I have to say. Zach Levine is good at basketball. He showed that this week. Yeah, this week, this preseason, he's looking good. He's. I don't think he's a number one guy. I don't think if he's a number one guy, you're going very far in the playoffs. But he's a good piece to have. And I thought he looked good. Law remarking and struggled. And this goes back to my, my hot take. I'm going to stand by it as long as I can. I think Lowry's due for a big year. Shooting has got to get better. He, he's having trouble from the field. And I, I think Lowry can take a leap forward, assuming he can find a shooting stroke. And he was kind of lights out. Or lights out. He was kind of a light switch. Seemed like one day he was on, the next day he was off, and he, he's been off a little bit lately. Hopefully they can get that straightened out. I think Billy Donovan's the type of guy who could fix that. I, did, I didn't say the same for Jim Boylan, obviously, because Jim did not use Lowry right. But the fact that Billy Donovan wants... Lowry to be a multi-dimensional player, that's a good sign because Jim wanted him to be a one-dimensional player, which was a shoot and rebound. My buddy Jonah, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs, as he calls himself. What's up, Jonah? He says, Stan Bowman has been given the long leash because he's Scotty's son. He inherited the core that won three Stanley Cups. I have been saying that all along. Scotty Bowman's in the Blackhawks front office. If Scotty's not there, Stan's not there. Scotty's got a job. I think Stan's got a job. Yeah, the, the core for the Stanley Cup runs. Here's a little bit of trivia for you. When you when the bars reopen, you can go play bar trivia. Who was the GM who assembled that core for the Stanley Cup runs? Hint, it wasn't Stan Bowman. It was Dale Talon. Stan Bowman rode Dale Talon's coattails. He did not put those teams together. He, he brought in some big pieces, some supporting cast members. But nothing, he, he didn't bring in Kane. He, he, didn't, he didn't draft Kane. He didn't bring in Taze. He didn't draft Keith. He didn't do any of that. That was Dale Talon. And that's a fact. But again, back to the NBA. December 22nd, opening night. Lakers, Clippers, and Golden State. Who's playing the other game that night? Either way, there's two games on Tuesday. I'm excited. It's going to be great to see meaningful NBA basketball back on TV. And this is another conversation at the bar yesterday. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's a, he's an, I think he's an assistant coach at West Florida now. And he, he and I were talking just about NBA coming back. We, we both love college basketball. Like we're big college basketball guys. We were sitting there talking about different coaches and whatnot, different mid-major level coaches. Because he went to Southern Illinois. And we're talking. I'm like, hey, I'm excited for the NBA to come back. He's like, ah, I don't watch the NBA much. And like, it's more the entertainment value for me. Like, watching the NBA, if you sit through an NBA game, you can tell the fundamentals aren't what they used to be. Right now, now it's just kick it out to someone, shoot a three. College basketball, there's an actual system and whatnot. NBA, it seems like it's a lot of, of three-point line action. Very three-point heavy. But it's more the entertainment value. I mean, you, you everything off the court, too. Like, the, the NBA ropes you in. And I watch a lot of NBA. And there's a lot, it's, it's very flashy, very showboaty, but it, that's the entertainment value to it. So I'm really excited. And as the NBA is coming back this week, so is Missouri Valley Conference basketball. December 27th, that's a week from today, conference play starts. Here's what we got. Loyola versus Illinois State. Bradley 
at Valpo. Southern Illinois versus Evansville. Drake at Indiana State. Northern Iowa versus Missouri State. That's your full slate for the start of Missouri Valley play. That's coming up soon. It's going to be great. I'm glad Valley basketball is coming back because Valley basketball is where it's at. That's It's a fun league. It's going to be a fun year this year. And we did see some news yesterday. So Bradley had a big game against Miami, Ohio. And Terry Nolan Jr., I mean, he, that guy's going to go. He, he's going to be a big piece for Bradley in the league this year. He's at, This is his second game winner. And they end up beating Miami, Ohio 69-68. It was very close. Bradley went on a 9-0 run in the final four minutes to win. But at one point, let me find this tweet from my guy Larry Larson. He's the sports editor of the Bradley Scout student newspaper down there. And he tweeted something about Elijah Childs having a leg injury. And a quote from Brian Wardle, uh, Bradley head coach. He was cleared to come back into the game, obviously, because he did come back in a little bit. I'm going to meet with our doctors and trainers right away after we get out the press conference. I think he's going to be okay, but I don't want to say anything about that yet. Uh, Larry tweeted that Childs left the game late in the second half with a leg injury. It's unclear as to what part of the leg. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on down at Bradley. Because A.J. Green, as you recall, is out for the year at Northern Iowa with a hip injury. So I said at the time, okay, Cameron Crutwig and Elijah Childs are your two front runners for player of the year. If Eli goes down, A, that's a huge hit for Bradley who I'm thinking is going to be the second-best team in the league now. But at the same time, looking at it from Loyola perspective, Crutwig is the front-runner for Player of the Year if Childs is out. So definitely going to keep an eye on that. And speaking of Loyola, obviously I have to talk about the Ramblers a little bit. If you've seen on my Twitter page, I've done a couple post-game lives. It's something new I'm doing, just kind of talking after the game. I'm not obviously on the air after every game, so I go on Twitter and talk with everybody. And I'm probably going to do that on and off this year. Depends on the day, depends on the game, etc., etc. But they were really fun. I'm glad people tuned in. And I talked about both of those games on the live streams, but if you've missed the live streams, obviously Loyola fell to Wisconsin, which was expected. Wisconsin's a big team. Loyola's not a big team. And then Friday, Loyola played Richmond. And they were down 20 at one point and only lost by two. They could have easily won that game if they'd have made their free throws, but don't get me started on that one right now. Crowley missed back-to-back. But they could have. They left six points on the board. They lost by two. Do simple math. But the fact that they came back tells you they're resilient, which is, that's a Porter Moser team right there. He always talks about the resiliency. But also, those are two tough opponents. I mean, Richmond is one of the most overlooked teams in the country, in my opinion, because they're a mid-major. They're naturally going to be overlooked. That's just the way it rolls. I mean, I know they were the A-10 favorite and everything. They should have more eyes on them, but they don't. Case in point, did you see the quality of the broadcast on Friday, if you watched that game? First of all, ESPN Plus didn't start showing it until halfway through the first half. And if you were watching it even on TV, I had it on NBC Sports Chicago Plus. I didn't have the ESPN Plus issues. You're watching it, and even even my sister was saying it looked like it was black and white because the way the lighting was in that gym. That says enough about the amount of exposure that Richmond's getting. I think they're a very good team. They're a very overlooked team. And they're a team to watch out for in March, assuming we have a quote-unquote normal March madness. I don't think it will be normal. But either way... Don't sleep on Richmond this year. That's a really good team. The fact that Loyola came back and only lost by two and could have easily won that game. I think that first half was a fluke. I mean, 15 turnovers and a half. That's not this team. I mean, they had, to give you an idea, Wisconsin was the number 12 team in the country when Loyola played them on Tuesday. They committed 14 total turnovers. Okay? Remember that number. Richmond was the de facto 26 team in the country because they were the leading also getting votes. And Loyola committed 15 turnovers in one half. In the second half, you know how many turnovers Loyola committed? Three. That's this team. That first half, I think, was a fluke. That said, the Valley is a one-bid league now. 
any chance of it being a two-bid league is gone. Because not only is A.J. Green out for Northern Iowa, which is their big player, but Loyola with two losses. I, I know the they only lost by two to Richmond, and they probably weren't going to beat Wisconsin. But if you're the selection committee, you're not looking at that stuff. All they see is a bid major with more losses. Yeah, Jonah chimes in talking about how Braden Norris put the team on his back. Yeah, I agree. Braden had a he had a really good game and a coming out party of sorts. He he put that team on his back and led the way. I think he finished with what twenty one points, five and nine from three point territory. Yeah, have a game, kid. No, I like what I saw for Braden Norris. It's gonna be a key piece this year. And I said it on the post game thing. I said they need the three pointers to step up. Cooper Capus didn't score a point. Braden found his stroke in the second in the second half, but Cooper Capus didn't score. Marquise Kennedy had two points. I don't know what's going on with Marquise, but I mean he was struggling out there. But the three point shooters have to be there. But Loyola is going to get possibly a boost coming up. So if you missed it this week, the NCAA finally gave a blanket waiver to transfers for eligibility. And they're eligible immediately, which means Demise Anderson, who transferred in from Indiana, was sitting out this year, as I reported for Off the Inbound, my blog. The, did, the Ramblers did not apply for a waiver for Demise. Well, even though they didn't apply for the waiver, he's a transfer. So, therefore, he's eligible now. He did not play against Richmond, which was to be expected. The, the ruling came out, I think, on Wednesday? Wednesday or Thursday? And Demise, from the pictures I've seen on the social media, has been practicing with the gold team, which is the walk-ons. I don't think he's, I don't think he's worked out with the rotational guys yet. So it wasn't unexpected that he didn't play against Richmond. I could see him getting some minutes into Valley play. And I think he's going to be a really nice piece to this team. He's ultra-athletic. I know people are worried about him just because his game and Porter's system might not translate. But my argument to that is don't go based off his numbers at IU. The numbers weren't there at Indiana. And I really think that's just because Indiana wasn't a good fit. Not sure Archie Miller's system worked with Demise's game. I think if Porter can iron things out a little bit and get him to settle down and find a shot, he's going to be a really, really good piece for this Loyola team this year. I'm not again. I'm not speculating on playing time yet because this just happened. With this isn't even five days old yet. Not sure how much they practice because I don't even know what the schedule is going to look like with Christmas coming up on Friday. Conference play starting next week. Who knows what's going to happen with a schedule. I don't know what Porter's going to schedule another game. Uh, I don't know if you saw before I came on the air here. Uh, DePaul has added Western Illinois on December 23rd for a game. So Porter could add a game, theoretically. Not sure if he will, just because it is Christmas time and the holidays and everything. But you never know. Just definitely watch social media, I guess, because it seems like everything's being done through social media. But as we sit here now, the next game is conference play, which means it's 50-50 whether Measy plays against Illinois State or not. We'll just have to wait and see. And, I mean, I know I want to see him on the court too because I just want to see I want to see what he can do is the big thing. I mean, I've seen some highlights from IU, but nothing really – how do I nothing nothing major out of IU? What I what I mean by nothing major is I haven't seen enough to really get an idea of his game. But from what I've seen, I like it. But there's just, there's not as much film out there as I thought there would be. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you you're listening to WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm currently broadcasting from my detached garage in Dwight, Illinois. We do have breaking news. The college football playoff is set. Just came out. You ready? Number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Ohio State. And number four, Notre Dame. Notre Dame still got in the college football playoff. How did that happen? 
you watched that game yesterday. I mean, there should not be any way Notre Dame's in the playoff. And now they got to go up against Alabama. They're going to get embarrassed on national TV again. It's fun being a Notre Dame fan. You know, and I mean that with the utmost sarcasm. It is so much fun being a Notre Dame fan, especially when yesterday I had a Notre Dame t-shirt on. Clemson's, Clemson goes up 31-3. to I go to put the pullover I had on to cover the Notre Dame logo. The pullover had a Northwestern logo on it. Which I'll get to that. I do want to, I have one more thing I want to talk about Missouri Valley-wise. But I did want to, just the breaking news again, if you missed it. College football playoff is set. Alabama at number one, Clemson at number two, Ohio State number three, Notre Dame number four. So Notre Dame will play Alabama at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. That was supposed to be the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl late last night got moved from Rose Bowl Stadium to Jerry World. So they're going to play in Dallas at AT&T Stadium. I'll be very curious to see what that spreads at for Alabama, though. Because if you saw the way Notre Dame played yesterday, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. Let's get back on track here. College basketball news came out yesterday. Uh, Jacob Hudson is a seven-foot freshman at Loyola, and he's a shooter. He wasn't going to play this year because Loyola was at the 13 scholarship spots. And Jacob accepted student aid because he's a walk-on. So if you accept a student aid... It, you're technically part of the scholarship count, which is so weird, but I get why they do it. Well, Jacob's dad announced yesterday that Jacob's waiver has been approved. So Jacob can compete for playing time this year. I'm not sure how much time he'll get, but that'd be a big boost for Loyola. Down low, because Franklin Agunani has been out with a knee injury. He's coming back from surgery. So Cameron Crutwig is the only guy taller than... 6-8 to play the 5. Tom Welch has done a pretty good job down low, though, when Porter goes small. But it'll be nice to have another big, and especially one like Jacob who can shoot. Like, Jacob's got a good stroke, good touch. I really think he can be something with the right development. So that came out yesterday. So basically, in the last week, Loyola's had two new players join the roster in Demise Anderson and Jacob Hudson. So we'll see what happens from there. Again, Valley Play starts next week. I'll be talking all about it next week, even after Christmas. I will be on here. At least I'm planning to be on here. So stay tuned for that. Staying on the college side, I do have to briefly talk about the Illini hiring Brett Bilema as their new head coach. My jaw dropped when I saw that yesterday when I woke up. So I a little bit of research on this guy. He won the Big Ten at Wisconsin. His quarterback was some guy, maybe maybe you've heard of him. If you ever heard of Russell Wilson, that was his quarterback when Wisconsin won the Big Ten. Well, Bilma went to Arkansas and struggled. Now he's, what I, I see, a linebacker's coach for the Giants, like the New York football Giants. Now he's coming to Illinois for more than $4 million a year. And he's an Illinois guy, so hopefully he can boost some recruiting because Lovey Smith couldn't recruit at all. And I know people say, oh, well, Illinois is not really a destination. No, there's one thing you learn from covering college sports the last four years. It's that when you're rebuilding a program, when you're recruiting players, you say, hey, I'm building something. I want you to be a part of this. We're building something here. We want you to be a part of this. And you sell them on that. Lovey couldn't do that. And I know there were a lot of things Lovey couldn't do. But recruiting was the big one because this was supposed to be the year. And it wasn't, and that's why they didn't bring him back. But they did have to move quick with this hiring because signing day came and went, and recruiting's getting going, and they needed to hire someone quick, and they did. So yeah, Brett Bielema is the new head coach at the University of Illinois, just following up on the breaking news of last week that Lovey Smith wasn't coming back. Staying in the Big Ten, Northwestern Ohio State yesterday was a really good game up until the fourth quarter. Northwestern looked good in the first half. Really good in the first half. And I thought they could pull this off because the way Northwestern was going to win that game was with their defense. And their defense could not stop Trey Sermon. I, he set the Ohio State record for rushing yards in a game. And he just ran all over Northwestern. And it's, it's crazy that they still won because Justin Fields had a bad game. I'm not talking a bad game by his standards. I mean, he had a bad game. He was not himself yesterday. I know he was playing through a thumb injury, too. 
So Trey Sermon put that team on his back and carried them. And Northwestern just could not stop them. But I thought Northwestern looked good up until the fourth quarter when the, the defense just got tired. But report out today from Adam Schefter at ESPN, it's a pretty credible source, that two teams are starting to inquire about potential head coaching interviews with Pat Fitzgerald. Now, there's been speculation. You, I want to say in the last couple of weeks there's been speculation. The last few years there's been speculation that Pat Fitzgerald would leave Northwestern for the Bears. But his situation's a little different now with Jim Phillips out. If you missed the news, Jim Phillips is the new ACC commissioner. He was the Big Ten, or Big Ten. He was Northwestern's AD and was a big part of keeping Fitz at Northwestern. He got snubbed for the Big Ten commissioner job. I think a lot of people are realizing that now. He was my pick for that before Kevin Warren got hired. But Jim Phillips is gone. So Northwestern's getting a new AD. Now the question is, is Fitz going to stay around? Well, he's getting NFL looks. If the Bears are smart, they're going to be one of them. But they're dragging their feet on getting rid of Nagy and Pace. So they're going to miss out on him. I saw Lewis Riddick is interviewing for GM jobs already. The Bears are going to miss out on him. I really think Lewis Riddick would be a good GM or president of football operations if they want to finally go modern like the Blackhawks are doing. But they're missing out on the big names because they're taking their time. But who knows if Fitz is going to be at Northwestern next year. It's hard to tell right now. Really, the NFL coaching carousel hasn't even started yet. I think it started, but it's kind of slowly getting going. Because, I mean, we're, this is week... Is this week 15? Yeah, this is week 15. So there's still a couple weeks left. And it's looking like the Bears are going to wait until the end of the year to fire everybody. And by that point, Fitz will have a job if he goes to the NFL. But that is a big developing story out of Northwestern. always is in the NFL offseason. There's always rumor about Fitz getting NFL looks. And this year's going to be no exception, especially with the job he did at Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern came back last year was a rough year. Very rough year. Came back this year, made the Big Ten title game. Now we just have to wait and see what bowl they end up with. Notre Dame, again, lost to Clemson yesterday. Hey, they scored a touchdown. I think the final score was 34-10. to They scored a touchdown. That was just optics at that point. But they're in the playoffs. They're in the college football playoff. Again, the Alabama at number one, Clemson two, Ohio State three, Notre Dame four. Alabama plays Notre Dame at Jerry World. I want to say, is that New Year's? Is that New Year's Day? I think that's New Year's Day. The Rose Bowl. Yeah, be, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for a spread on that one because, man, after the way Notre Dame played yesterday, that was just a bad game to have a bad game. And Notre Dame, if I've read the number right, has scored a combined 13 points against Trevor Lawrence-led teams. Granted, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, but it's just a crazy stat. 13 total points when Trevor Lawrence plays against them. 10 of those points came yesterday. They just had no answer for him. And they were, Notre Dame well, was probably the second best defense in college football, maybe the best defense in college football. And just, they couldn't stop Lawrence, couldn't stop Travis Etienne. And then they had to go up against Alabama and Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a good quarterback, who I think the Bears need to take a look at, by the way. But they're going up against Mac Jones. Obviously, they don't have Jalen Waddell, but they got Devontae Freeman. Good pieces at Alabama. Notre Dame. Uh, I, my knee-jerk looking at that is Notre Dame's going to get embarrassed on national TV again. Well, on a national stage, again, I should say. should say. National TV's different. But on a national stage, in the playoffs, meaningful game, bowl game, yeah, they're, they're, it's not going to be close. This is another one where I'll gladly be wrong. All right, let's talk Bears in the last 20 minutes here. Again, Bears-Vikings coming up at noon. That game is on Fox Big Playoff Implications. Last week, I picked the Texans to beat the Bears 24-21. Well, Matt Nagy or Mitch Trubisky must have been listening and used that as motivation because the Bears turned that into a 36-7 victory. Granted, context is key. It's a bad Texans team. 
that defense is not good. So you got to put that into context there. But 36-7 win, Mitch looked good. And he almost looked too good. There was a story in the Chicago Sun-Times by Jason Leisure, who I've said it before, I'll say it again, he's turning into my favorite beat writer well, on the Bears beat. No, my, my guy Jeff Dickerson does a really good job. I love JD. But Leisure, Jason Leisure's doing some really, really good reporting and good work. And he's always in the press conference asking great questions. And I want to find his story that he put out. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Might have been yesterday for Sports Saturday. Talking about how the Bears the Bears risk repeating a major mistake salute as they fall in love with quarterback Mitch Trubisky again. Yes, this came out yesterday in the Sports Saturday edition of the Sun-Times. And you read through it and there's some quotes from Matt Nagy and even Ryan Pace. Now, when Ryan Pace has quotes during the season, it's to the team-run pregame show. Again, context is key there. But I'm just going to read a few lines from this. That the Bears are falling for Mitch Trubisky. Again, Matt Nagy is gushing all over the... He is gushing over all the improvements Trubisky made during his benching and is certain the big numbers he put up in the last two games are quote-unquote real. Ryan Pace is leaving it open-ended on the team-run pregame show when asked if the rest of the season is Trubisky's tryout for 2021. And with each seemingly effortless completion lately, it gets easier for the Bears to convince themselves of something they've wanted to believe for four years. Somewhere in there is the franchise quarterback they need. Skip down a little bit. Here's some stats. Trubisky has completed 67% of his passes, averaged 259 yards per game, thrown seven touchdown passes against two interceptions, and has a 100.0 passer rating since coming back as a starter. All of that is helpful as the Bears desperately try to claw their way past the Cardinals and Vikings for the final NFC playoff spot. Now, you heard those numbers. That was against the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans, and most, this is from Leisure's story now, I'm quoting, most of the headway he, being Trubisky, made against the Packers came well after Green Bay had buried the Bears with a 41-10 lead. So, dumbing it down, it happened in garbage time against the Packers. Context matters. Really great story from Jason Leisure yesterday. And if you listen to the press conferences, he always asks great questions. He doesn't back down when... Matt Nagy does the classic non-answer answer, which he's getting very good at, by the way. Scary good at the non-answer answer. But yeah, I'd agree. The Bears are trying to talk themselves back into Trubisky. And I think it's just because the Nick Foles experiment did not work. I said at the time, the guy can't start. He comes off the bench, he can play Superman. He can't start. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl... Their starting quarterback that year, as crazy as it sounds, was Carson Wentz. Wentz got hurt. Nick Foles came in and saved the day. Because that's exactly what he did. That's what Nick Foles is good at. And you're paying in an, you're basically paying him an obscene amount of money to be a backup. And he doesn't fit. I keep saying he doesn't fit Nagy's system. Does anyone know what Nagy's system is? I'm guessing it's, I know it's, I know, I'm, I'm just making a joke. I know it's the same as Kansas City's, but that's not Patrick Mahomes back there. Mitchell Trubisky is not Patrick Mahomes. Nick Foles is probably the polar opposite of Patrick Mahomes. And the reason I say that, yes, I know they can both throw the deep ball. The difference is Mahomes can do it while running. Foles doesn't move. I think it was the Vikings game on Monday Night Football. He had a wide open field, and he was just coming up on the line of scrimmage to make a run. He backed off and threw a pass. I remember watching my friends were all going, run! Run the ball! You have it in your hands! Nick Foles is not the answer. So, when Mitch came back as the starter, the Bears are like, oh, hey, this is a whole new Mitch. He's great. He's putting up great numbers. Guys, it's against the Lions and the Texans. And in garbage time against Green Bay. Context. Context is key in everything, especially the Bears situation. 
if they win today, obviously their playoff odds improve that much more. It's crazy that this team is still in the hunt for the playoffs. But <laughs> they expanded the playoffs this year, so who knows? But again, noon kickoff, that's coming up in 15 minutes. What, what's the spread for that game? You'd think, I, you'd think I'd know this. I think it's a three-point spread. The joys of being my own producer is looking stuff up while I'm talking. But I want to say, are the Bears favored for once? Nah, they can't be favored. The Bears are never favored. What do we got? Vikings by three. That sounds about right. Vikings are favored by three points. Over under is 46 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen today. I'm done trying to even make an accurate prediction. Especially after last week when I picked the Texans to win. Just because I thought the Bears were in a free fall. But they bounced back. I mean, you got to give them credit. They bounced back. I'm not saying that Mitch is all pro now. Because he went off against the Houston Texans. But I'm glad they look good. That's reassuring. A couple games left. I don't know if I'd be excited about a playoff team. Just because I'd now be worried about draft position. I mean, if you lose six in a row. You've got to worry about draft position at that point. I mean, I love playoff football. I'd be... I'd be really happy watching my team in the playoffs but not like this when they were 5 and 1 and looked like they could have made a pretty good run at the top of the NFC North i was thinking okay i'd be cool watching them in the playoffs this i don't want this team in the playoffs i don't want them getting embarrassed on a national stage like Notre Dame will against Alabama i don't want to see that worry about draft position but then again, I guess it's hard to worry about draft position when your head coach and GM probably aren't going to be here. And I mean, I don't want Ryan Pace anywhere near the next quarterback of this team. Who that's going to be, I don't know. Just because we don't know draft position. But I don't want Ryan Pace anywhere near it. The one thing I'll give Matt Nagy, and I said this for one of my reasons for keeping Matt Nagy in Chicago was that he knows a good quarterback when he sees one. He was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Nagy's last year as offensive coordinator for the Chiefs was Mahomes' first year in the league. He knew he was something special. And he was one of the first ones to call Mahomes and say, hey, we want you, this is going to be great, we want to draft you, we're really excited about you. And then Nagy goes to Chicago with a project in Mitch Trubisky. All the while, Mahomes turns into the best player in the league. And a mortal lock for prop betting, by the way. Nagy knows a good quarterback when he sees one. That's why, if anything, if they do have one reason for keeping Matt Nagy, it's that he can pick the next quarterback. I'm not sure about the X's and O's. He obviously doesn't know how to use a run game, even though David Montgomery's looked really good the last couple weeks. But he had that 180 yard was it 80 yards to the house last week against Detroit. Big run right out of the gate. He had 10 carries all game. Cordero Patterson had 13. That's the case against Matt Nagy, is the X's and O's. And that's only a, you know, part of the job, big part of the job. Granted, he's not calling plays. Bill Lazor is. And I think the play calling's gotten better. But I'm sick and tired of seeing Cordero Patterson out there with the jet sweeps and basically using Cordero Patterson as your running back one. David Montgomery is way better than anyone gives him credit for. I've been saying it on Twitter the last year and a half. Everyone has laughed at me. And I keep retweeting the tweet saying, Hi, I said this. I was right. Because look, you see, I know, I keep saying context matters. But the fact that he's doing this, in spite of his coach who doesn't know how to use a running back, look at Jordan Howard. Granted, Jordan Howard's not in the league anymore. 
But Jordan Howard was a good piece of the offense before Matt Nagy got here. He was one of the only good pieces of the offense, actually. Yeah, Montgomery was, what, a third, fourth round pick? He wasn't top-notch. He wasn't... Give me, give me a comparison here. He wasn't a Saquon Barkley, where he was home run pick at number one. But he's a good running back. And I'm glad he's finally showing that he can do it by making explosive plays in, because he's not getting the carries. That 80-yard run doesn't happen last week. I don't think he even gets 50 yards. And that's because Nagy's scheme doesn't account for a running game. And that's, I mean, that's, just, that's not Nagy. Look in Kansas City. Clyde Edward Delaire is a really good young running back. He doesn't, he doesn't run a lot because they have Patrick Mahomes. It's a pass-based offense with a quarterback who can think quickly. Trubisky cannot think quickly. We've seen that. Mahomes makes plays on his feet. He can think on his feet and he has the funky arm angles and everything. But that's how the offense is supposed to look. It's the same thing. So that's why the case for keeping Matt Nagy revolves around his scouting ability with quarterbacks. It'd be one thing if we didn't have proof. If I was sitting here saying, okay, he came to Chicago, he didn't get to pick Mitch, let's see what he can do with the next guy. No, he saw Patrick Mahomes. I'd never heard of Patrick Mahomes. I know I'm not alone in that. There were plenty of people who never heard of Patrick Mahomes when he was drafted. Even, even Tyreek Hill, he said in an interview, he thought Patrick Mahomes was a scrub. He didn't think he was going to be good. Now they're locked in. Another mortal lock for prop betting. Tyreek Hill receiving yards and to score a touchdown is a lock. You heard it here. But Nagy knows how to find that quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a franchise quarterback. Matt Nagy saw that. I know he's. it seems like he's trying to talk himself into Mitch with his answers. He's not going to just throw Mitch under the bus. It's not. That doesn't happen. He's not just going to throw his quarterback under the bus. He's going to support him, at least say he supports him in the press conferences. What happens behind the scenes, we don't know. But he, Matt Nagy knows a franchise quarterback when he sees one. He knew Patrick Mahomes, and that's one, I think it's turning into one of the only reasons you'd keep Matt Nagy. I know there are rumors going around about possibly, I know Ted, like David Kaplan's reporting that Ted Phillips is going to retire at the end of the year, or at least he's looking at retiring at the end of the year. If that's the case, I know there's talk of bringing in a president of football operations, which would be a good move. Do like, like, wow, I can't believe I'm saying this after the way I started the show. Follow the Blackhawks lead and split the presidency into a football side and a business side. If you go the business side, I got John McDonough on speed dial. If I'm George McCaskey, he would be my first call. If you split that and do a business side, call John McDonough. But the rumor mill is they're going to hire president of football operations and keep Pace and Nagy for another year. And I know there's a rumor. I don't, this is definitely not confirmed, but there is speculation that Pace signed a, low-key, one-year deal to line himself up with Nagy for next year. I'm not, that's not confirmed. It's just speculation. Let's just say if they did that, then this rumor about bringing in a president of football operations could have some legs to it. It's all speculation. It's rumor season. There's a bunch of crazy rumors out there. But I'm, as a fan I'm thinking absolutely not, but from a football perspective, purely football thinking, not as a fan, just look at the game, look at the talent, look at the roster. If you bring in an outside voice to evaluate those two, might not be the worst thing in the world. The only disclaimer, the only addendum I'd have to that is it needs to be like the Bulls situation where you bring in a guy when they brought in Arturis Karnaschovas, you need to bring in someone who has total authority. I don't know who it would be. I don't have a name. But if they're looking at going that route from a football perspective, it would maybe make sense. From a fan perspective, I want them gone. 
I want Pace and Nagy out the door. And I'm I'm not alone in that. But looking at the football operation side of it, of the two, Pace needs to go more than Nagy. But honestly, maybe just get rid of them both. Bears 21-20 is my prediction today. I think it's going to be close. I think the Bears are going to manage to pull it off somehow. I don't know if it'll come down to Cairo Santos's leg. If if I see another kicker miss a field goal, I'm going berserk after between between the Northwestern game yesterday and the Notre Dame game yesterday and the Buffalo game yesterday. If I see another missed kick, I'm going crazy. But I think it could come down to Cairo Santos's leg. Who knows, it could, come, it could come down to a missed field goal by Dan Bailey. To be honest, with that score, 21-20, it could come down to a missed field goal. But that's my prediction. Bears 21-20 in Minnesota today. Again, kickoff coming up here in just over four minutes. The game is on Fox, by the way. I've got it up on my TV right here. And Chris Myers is on the call. So Chicago fans are going to get a good look at how Chris Myers does play-by-play if he is a candidate for the marquee job after Len Casper left. But yeah, I think the Bears win today. I hope everyone's impressed with me. By the way, as I wrap up the show, for not talking about the Mandalorian season finale on Friday, because I wanted to. Spoiler-free, of course. But I didn't. If anyone does want to talk about it, if you need to talk about it, Definitely slide into my DMs because I'm still, I'm not a Star Wars geek necessarily. I don't geek out over Star Wars like my brother does. My brother's a big Star Wars, like a, the bigger Star Wars fan of the house. Like I, I like it. I don't, I don't hate Star Wars. I, I like watching Star Wars and I love the story. It took me a while to settle down after watching that episode because it was so good. Last night on the IMDb, there's 25,000 reviews of that episode and it's 9.9 out of 10 stars. That says enough. So you guys, I hope everyone's most impressed that I went this whole time without talking about The Mandalorian. Because that was insane. So obviously this week is Christmas. That's coming up on Friday. And next week I'm still planning to do a show. I'll be here. I don't know if I'll have a guest or not just with the holiday. It might just be me. It could be a replay of interviews. I'll kind of do some programming discussions and see what happens. But I'm planning to be here next week. That next show is December 27th. That's Valley Play. Conference play starting. It's a lot of fun. It's my favorite time of year. Other than, well, baseball season. My favorite time of year. But I love Valley season. Can't wait to get it going. But yeah, next week, same bad time, same bad channel. I will be here. Winter Freeform is what you hear on the station now. That's still going through January 13th. So still a few more weeks of that. But I'll still be in my time slot, 11 to noon next Sunday. Bears have two games left on the season before potentially the playoffs. Whether they make the playoffs will be determined today. If Minnesota wins this game, the playoff hunt is over. If the Bears win today, there's still some semblance of hope. If you want to call it hope, if you're worried about draft position, you better hope Minnesota wins today. But I predicted Bears 21 or 20. If it's anything like last week, I'm going to be way off. I hope I'm not. So we've got about a minute left here. So thank you, everyone, for listening during a very busy show. I hit everything I wanted to talk about and more. Really, really fun week to be on the air. Again, I'll be back next week after the holiday. I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. Everyone stays safe and healthy. We're getting through this. Another vaccine has been approved. Hopefully we'll be through this soon. We're almost done with this year. I have one more show left in 2020. Because this year has not been good. But one more show left in this calendar year. And then the calendar flips. Hopefully next year is a lot better than this year. Maybe I'll do a year in review next week. Maybe play some some clips from shows. Even though I you know wasn't on the air from March to June. But might do a year in review. Depends on what kind of mood I'm in and how much time I have to put something like that together. Actually, I'll have a lot of time to put that together. There's not really much to do before the holidays because I have all my Christmas shopping done, which is weird. Usually I'm up to the last minute ordering stuff off Amazon or going to pick stuff up. 
But no, I'm done with my Christmas shopping. I've got all kinds of time on my hands. And I finished The Mandalorian, so I had nothing to do. So I'll probably throw something together. I'm out of time. Thank you again for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. And I will see you next Sunday here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW.